0: Fire departments, like similarly structured organizations, have had to undergo changes to adapt to modern times. But what happens when change is slow to come or meets organizational resistance? In a recent report, Edmonton's fire department was shown to still grapple with bullying, harassment, and discrimination among the ranks. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10 3. Edmonton Journal City Hall reporter Lauren Boothby joins me to discuss the findings of the report, how current and former firefighters feel the city is doing at addressing the concerns, and why change can be a challenge. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Lauren... You recently, you took a, a deep look at some issues going on in Edmonton Fire Rescue Services. There was a report that was commissioned. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about Edmonton's fire department. How big is it? How big a city does it serve? And what's its role?
1: Yeah, so the Edmonton Fire Department, um, there's about 1,100 operations staff, uh, according to the city. Um, the you know It serves the city of Edmonton. We have over a million people, so quite a lot of people to serve. And um, there's also apparently another 54 people being recruited, so it'll be slightly bigger uh, soon.
0: Mm-hmm. And and as mentioned, you you wrote this re- about a report looking into issues with the fire department. Why was there this report commissioned or wh- what sparked the report?
1: You know, when I spoke to the city manager, Andre Corbold here in Edmonton, he said that, you know, after a number of complaints and concerns have come forward over time, there comes a point where you kind of need to get an external investigation going um, and I don't know that it's the case but I feel like if the city had looked at the work satisfaction surveys that they do every year they will have noticed that they have been declining very quickly in the last couple of years so that may have been a factor but the city asked a law firm uh, Ruben Toblinson they're a Canadian law firm to do a workplace assessment in May 2022 to get feedback from the employees on their experiences how they're feeling, the working conditions and get their concerns to sort of start the process of trying to figure out how everyone is doing and how we can improve things. And what it showed was some, some shocking stuff in there.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, you say they looked at how everyone was doing and by the sounds of it. It doesn't sound like everyone is doing well, particularly when it comes to instances of bullying or harassment. What were the main findings? Like what, what are they? are they saying is going on with Edmonton's fire department?
1: So in the report, it, it did make it clear that most of the people who they were, who surveyed their first thing that they would say is there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of people who have really good time in the fire department and they really enjoy their job. But they have a lot of pride in their work, but it's, it. but it's also clear that's not the universal experience of everyone all of the time. There were some, People who spoke up in this, uh, in this survey that was done in interviews of employees that said that some of them faced discrimination, various kinds, sexism, racism, homophobia, also some more generally bullying and harassment, um, and hazing. So that obviously is not a good experience for anyone to have to deal with. They also found the people who were potentially not reporting those things are also feeling very, there's a really low sense of morale for a lot of people based on a number of different uh, areas. There seems to be a really lack of confidence in the, in the fire chief, um, a disconnect between some of the training programs that are going on and, and uh, they don't feel like they're being listened to. They don't feel like that they're being really brought in, to how things are playing out in the field. Like, you know, if you firefighters are, it's really important to them that you understand who we are. Um, that it's it's a culture where it's it's difficult to win respect and understanding with them if you don't understand them. So if if uh the they don't feel like they're understood, they're not gonna feel very connected to the leadership. So there's a lot of this tension building between the leadership and the firefighters as well as tension between the workers themselves over these discriminatory behaviors this culture that some of them feel like is an old boys club that there's also a generational divide between things that in the newer generation that they don't find acceptable that the older generation does and there seems to be a to more generally, I, I describe this in my in my story as a culture of fear because I feel like that is accurately describing this from like a, uh, on a broad scale. We have people who are facing bullying, racism, discrimination, and they're afraid to speak up. They feel like if, if they go re- escalate their concerns, if they challenge it when they face it, that they're going to get, um, they're going to get ostracized in some way, either from their their colleagues, there's going to be suspicion against them. And, and then on the other hand, because the fire department is trying to move forward with these diversity initiatives, some some people who, they don't really understand, they don't really like the specific training modules. They're, they're sort of suspicious of it. They kind of, they worry that if I say you know, I use a slightly outdated term, or if I use one that maybe I should I should know better at this point not to use, but instead of facing a disciplinary process so that is fair and maybe gives you a chance to learn and grow, that they're gonna be fired. Like that, so there's this culture where if I I can't speak up, if something bad is happening to me, and also if I say the wrong thing, I can get fired. So there seems to be this yeah, a lot of people don't seem to be very happy. There's a lot of this tension going on on multiple, multiple facets.
0: Mm-hmm. And w- when you talk about bullying or harassment or, you know, what kind of specific examples did they give? Was it, was it comments about women? Was it racial slurs? Was it uh, sexual harassment in the workplace? Did it run the gamut of all of these things? Like what kind of things are they talking about when they say bullying and harassment?
1: Yeah. And so there, there were some examples given in the report and there, you know, obviously not everyone experiences this, but there are people who are experiencing this. Um, in the report, it said there was people who are making racist comments, handing out racist materials, racist jokes, derogatory comments. Also, not just jokes in the public in, within the station, but about uh, members of the public that they're interacting with. You know, on, in terms of sexism, women uh, firefighters, women employees. People question whether they are qualified to be there. Um, some women in the report describe being excluded from the aspects, some aspects of their job, like some duties that they're supposed to perform. Then there's uh, sexualized and misogynistic comments, apparently uh, sexist material being displayed, disrespectful gestures, and dismissing programs that are meant to reach out to women. Um, another one, one employee that I I spoke to for this story said they heard male fighter, male firefighters regularly talking about women's sexual histories. So women in the fire department, women that they know, women in the public making comments about their bodies, and how those kind of comments, if you are a woman and you hear that will make you feel very unsafe in the workplace. Um, in terms of the the bullying, also it's, it's said that apart from the particular human rights grounds that more generally bullying and harassment seem to be more commonly reported. Things like being pressured to do extra work, being isolated, focused as the target of gossip, being teased or yelled at, threatened with job loss, being treated unfairly because of their political views. These are some of the things that people were, were um, reporting uh, to the the law firm. Also, there are some examples of hazing. Um, now, all the, The firefighters that I talked to acknowledge that hazing used to be pretty bad in the fire department, but over time, the culture has become intolerant of it. It's not something that's allowed anymore. I did hear some really egregious examples. I actually didn't even include this one in my article, but um, apparently in the past, And several firefighters told me this. Some of the very worst hazing that happened is sometimes they would pin down a new firefighter on the ground and put shoe polish on his testicles. They called it blackballing. Uh, So all of the... It's pretty egregious. Um, All of the firefighters I talked to said, like, the very, like, horrible kind of hazing stuff doesn't happen anymore. Um, Some of the stuff that's more likely to happen now is with it with the rookies they they usually get tasked with doing extra work they might have to like clean the bathrooms they might have to you know bring in food or take take do these extra tasks that other people don't want to do but some but also the firefighters also kind of told me that they don't it's not really a punishment to have to to do like some extra cleaning it's just kind of like if you're new and you're lower on the ladder you kind of have to do some of these tasks to show the people that have been there for a long time that you take pride in your workplace. You want it to look nice. Um, and that you respect their senior positions over you. So there's kind of different viewpoints on this, but another one that they do called bucketing, bunch of them told me, uh, sometimes they'll just like dump a bucket of water on someone, uh, out of the blue. That one's more common, but, that doesn't happen as much because people they realize oh yeah you probably have a phone in your pocket so maybe it's not going to be as funny to you and maybe it's not so safe to wear wet clothes under your fire gear so they so it seems like the bullying and hazing is really uh phasing out from the folks i talk to but you know there's still there's still some people who probably are not happy with some of the actions that are going on
0: so one of the other issues That was looked at was the notion of diversity within the fire department. What were some of the issues regarding diversity and, you know, what are some concerns there uh, with when you have kind of an environment where there are misogynistic or racist comments being made with the ability to attract a diverse slate of recruits?
1: Yeah. So right now the fire department only has 13 women out of, you know, 1100 operations staff. So that's just over 1%. That's actually, uh, I believe, several percentage points lower than average in Canada. Um, So it it is a profession that has historically attracted a lot of men. And so, you know, there's different reasons for that. Um, But in in Edmonton, the department is trying to increase the diversity of the the group by doing things like outreach, uh, different kinds of camps, uh, one called Camp Inspire, to attract women. You know, the city manager told me, and some other folks I talked to there told me that it's not about, you know, making it so it's easier for a woman to do the physical assessment. It's more about, and they and they actually don't do that. They 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 did change the the hiring process in a different way so that there is now a they've come up with what are the physical restrictions, physical requirements we need. Um, And if a person meets that, they just check that off as they meet that. And then they also do a resume review and they do interviews. But so they're trying to put in different processes to, to make sure that they're giving candidates of all types a fair chance.
0: We'll be right back. One of the things that you mentioned off the top was was a concern about fire department leadership. And there was recently a change in leadership when Chief Ken Block retired. They brought in Chief Zatilny. What do rank and file members have to say about the leadership in general, uh, the new chief specifically, and, and even about how the leadership in the fire department is trying to bring about change?
1: There seems to be quite a lot of people who are not happy with the leadership. Um, obviously it's not everyone, even some of the people I talked to said they like the chief a lot. Um, the other ones, they don't, (laughs) uh, but it's, I think it is very clear looking at the job satisfaction numbers from the annual surveys that the city does that a lot of people are not happy, um, with the, with their job, um, for various reasons, you know, the pandemic, uh, the opioid crisis, but also, uh, the leadership. Those are the reasons that, they, they told this law firm that they're unhappy. There's a lot of, but a lot of this seems to be focused on the chief and on the leadership. Um, they feel like the chief doesn't really connect with them on a personal level, maybe the way that uh, Chief Block did. He doesn't, sh- they said he doesn't show up for meetings, that he's late all the time, that he doesn't really like connect with them, doesn't really understand them. And they, they seem to have this view that the leadership in the fire department is it's very like it's very management heavy, it's very top-down. There's this perception described how you know they are doing more likely to like do the whims of like what city council wants uh and what the city administration wants. So they they see this direction is come kind of very top down kind of pressuring down on them rather than having the leadership really understand them and know what it's like to do the job. So uh, when you have a profession like this where it's really important that you understand the firefighters because they're putting their lives like at risk going into burning buildings, doing these life-saving rescues. They need to know that they that their leaders understand them. They need to know that the training that they're getting is going to keep them safe. And they, a lot of them don't feel like that. So they're not feeling They're feeling a lack of confidence because they don't feel supported. Another part is, another important aspect is mental health. There were some programs that were available for mental health. I I heard a lot about this peer support program um, from the people I talked to about this program where you could talk to other firefighters about something horrific that you saw. And that was really important to a lot of them because... It's a little difficult, I think, for someone who experiences something extremely traumatic, like, you know, they pulling dead bodies out of cars and stuff. How do you talk to someone about that? And and, and to be able to have someone who also has that experience, who knows the job is like, a lot of them seem to really value that peer support program, but there apparently isn't a lot of support for that anymore. You know, one of them told me, the mental health support just is abysmal that it's declined, which is which is strange because it seemed to be one of the things that Chief Joe's Tilney said that he um was gonna prioritize, but some of them feel like it has declined. So there are to be clear, there are like some mental health programs, but they but a lot of them have they're feeling very, very burned out. Um and they don't feel like they're getting that support they need. So it's it's really creating this you know, this, this, this environment where there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of distrust in leadership.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have this report, law firm speaking to firefighters and getting all this feedback. You spoke with some current and former members of Edmonton's fire department. Did they back up what the report said? Or were there some people who said, well, actually, you know, it's not as bad as this report makes it out to be. What, what was your experience in talking to some of these, these first responders?
1: Yeah, I'd say that, it is important to know that this report is basically the point of it was for the law firm to sit down and do a survey with and do interviews with the firefighters to kind of get a pulse on how they're feeling and what their concerns are so that the city could start to like work on how to address them. That's kind of the point of it. So some of the, you know, some people have feelings about certain things, maybe some of sometimes, maybe your feeling isn't completely based in facts. Like, I think that's possible. Some of some of the firefighters, employees uh, and such that I spoke to, they did validate um, some of the stuff in the report. Um, they echoed some of the feelings that are coming through here. They echoed some of the experiences. Um, some of them also said that, you know, that doesn't... I, I experienced something a little bit different. You know, for instance, uh, an employee, former employee I talked to, who is a woman and a person of color said, no, I didn't face, really face any discrimination. They didn't feel it when they were there. Um, but they, you know, they also said, you know, I think given how many, what, what the proportion of is men to women in the department, good chances happened to someone else. You know, women are facing some issues. So, but you know, others, I talked to a couple actually that said, no, I have great experience, even though they are in some of those categories of people that could be discriminated against they said no you know it was great they're all supportive um and they thought maybe some of the people in the report are being too sensitive actually but uh the other people that i interviewed they said no this is right on this is what i am experiencing i know people who are experiencing this and they said that the problem is that a lot of there's a lot of really good people in this department um but a lot of them they don't really know what to do. If something like this happens. They don't speak up. And then on the other hand, there's also a group of people who they just don't really know that what they're saying is harmful. And it's it was reiterated to me that a lot of this is actually just about verbal comments. It's about offhand jokes, things that are said that are offensive or hurtful. And and it seems like they just don't really understand that's what's being said is hurtful. That's you know this interpretation from all these people, um, and then in terms of the way people feel about the leadership, probably most of the, almost all the people I talked to were very unhappy with the leadership. The I, I also interviewed the president of the union who told me that people are very unhappy. So I did I did see a lot of corroboration in the interviews that I did on all the different touch points, um, but obviously. Not everyone's experience. Even the report notes that a lot of people have very good experiences in the fire department. So, you know, this is definitely, there are definitely problems with discrimination, as this points out. But there's also a lot of people who are, seem to be very happy with the job. And even the ones who said that they have experienced discrimination, they said it's not everybody. There's a lot of really good people. I like a lot of people I work with, but there's a couple bad apples and they're making it hard for a lot of other folks.
0: Yeah, and and lastly, when it comes to addressing some of these issues and and dealing with the as you call them bad apples, what is the fire department trying to do and and has that been effective? Like you mentioned in your story there's there's been tension over training that presumably would try and help deal with some of these issues. The, the diversity and inclusion training is causing some of the most tension here. What's going on with that and ultimately do people feel that there can be change within Edmonton Fire Rescue Services?
1: So the, the department, um, you know, right now there's 13 women of 1100 operations staff. So 1% of women. There's, there's definitely not a lot of gender diversity and the fire department, according to the city, doesn't even collect race-based data. So I have no idea like what the diversity is there, but, you know, they are trying to encourage Different kinds of people, a broader range of people to apply. Um, But another element is just when they arrive. What is the environment going to be like for them? Um, Some of the people I talked to, they worried that you know we're bringing, trying to bring in a diverse group of people to an environment that is maybe not going to be very accepting of them. This is a fear of some people. Other people said no, like you know we we want diversity. This will be great. Uh, but the problem is the way that the city has been trying to get more people understanding about diversity, inclusion and equity is not been working out very well. And there could there's a number of reasons for this. Um, one, I spoke to an expert, Corinne Bendersky at, the, at UCLA. She's a diversity inclusion expert she does training specifically for firefighters she gave me a lot of really interesting insight uh you know i encourage people to read that section of the article but um what she was telling me is that fire departments have a very particular culture there's kind of this like paramilitary kind of culture there's a chain of command it's a profession that has a lot of history to it uh, a lot of particular way of doing things and a lot of the culture that has been set up is to protect safety and well-being. So things like, you know, for instance, dark humor, you know, this is a way that uh, I know that many professions that deal with trauma deal with, this is how they cope with prob- with uh, difficult things. Um, so there's, there's elements of this culture that if you are an outsider, you don't really understand the fire department, you're going to have a hard time getting them to trust you. So she, what uh, Benderski was telling me is that it's really important when there is diversity inclusion training for firefighters that has to resonate with them or they will reject it outright. Just they won't listen to it because they, if you don't know me, you don't know what the job is. How can I trust what you're saying? You know, there, for instance, there is a very common feeling that the city has lowered the standards and The city has told me they have not lowered the standards. Uh, But this is a very common thing in in, uh, North America, this belief that efforts to increase diversity are actually lowering the standards. And if that was true, that is is scary if you're a firefighter. Because if you're going to a burning building, you want to know that people that are beside you understand you, that they have your back, that they um, are going to be able to be competent or else you could die. So there's a very real fear that of change because we've set up the system to protect us, that when you're coming in as an outsider telling us to change, we have to know that you know what it's like. So, you know, speaking to this expert, it's very important that when the city does diversity training, it would be a good idea for them to have firefighters involved with the training, to have people who have fire experience come in. You know, another thing that works I've heard quite often is having people who are firefighters who have faced discrimination come and tell people how does that affect their job you know because that that seems to be something that really resonates with people but what is happening is there seems to be you know there's a feeling that a lot of the programming that has been done is like kind of very negative and blaming you know there's a lot of talk in this report about how apparently they watched a video about how um, microaggressions are, like, white men are, like, mosquitoes biting at you all the time. And so they're just like, what? You know, that's just, why are you calling them a mosquito? Like, they didn't really, un- you know, they don't really get it. It's It's a metaphor that's apparently, you know, it's not resonating with them. I feel like there's different kinds of materials that will kind of resonate with different people. And whatever the city is using, it appears that it's not resonating. So, you know, what this expert recommended is that you make sure that you are able to have someone who has the trust of the fire department and understands them so that they know that they they know that the training is applies to them there's another element of in this report where there's a lot of people who feel like they're walking on eggshells this is actually something people said to me a couple times is that they feel like if if i say the wrong word if i say something you know i was told not to that I'm going to get fired for it. And the city and, in you know, the expert also told me that that's relatively rare to just be fired for making a ignorant comment by accident. Um, But there's a sense of that because, you know, if, if these training sessions that they have don't allow people to ask hard questions, they don't allow people to learn without being blamed and without being um, told, you know, you should be able to, she said, you should be able to ask a difficult question without being labeled sexist, racist. Like you should be able to ask difficult questions in the training sessions so that we can kind of pull apart. What does this mean? You know, why do you feel that way? Um, and and if there are things that are untrue, that are like a premise in that question, we can kind of pull those out. But people need to be able to feel like they can raise those questions about, for instance, are you lowering the standards so women can come in? Am I going to be unsafe? Because of that, that's a question that's very important that it be addressed constructively, because if you're not able to have these people feel like they are safe to ask questions, then there's not going to be a chance to have that uh, positive, you know, discussion to kind of, you know, maybe rethink how we, how we consider these things. So, there, there, there's yeah an element of here where there's some diversity training, but it looks like it's really not working because the, the firefighters don't feel like it resonates with them. You know, even in the recommendations of this report, it says that the city needs to explain what the purpose is of all the trainings that they get. They need to give evidence to the firefighters of their different policies and what they're trying to accomplish. There's a recommendation that the EDI programs are using evidence-based approaches that they highlight the rationale and the benefits and also metrics of success. So it's one thing to say, hey, we're gonna be diverse, here's all the things we're doing, but not explain why they're doing it and the evidence behind it. And if you don't do that, there's gonna be some resistance. So this is one of the recommendations to hopefully create a program that makes more sense to more people. On the other hand, some of the people I talked to said, They are very disappointed and discouraged to hear, to see all this resistance to the EI trainings because they think they're great. They think they understand them. And they said, this is just people being unwilling to learn. An interesting anecdote I heard is as firefighters, we hate the way way things are and we hate change. So (laughs) there's this feeling that from some of these people that You know, there's just this resistance to change. So that could be an element of it as well. However, all of the firefighters, all the fire employees I talked to, even the ones who were resistant to the EDI training, all of them told me, we don't want racism. We don't want sexism. We don't think this is okay, but we are concerned with the way it's being delivered. So I think that the city hopefully will be able to use this to be able to come up with some kind of training that makes more sense to more people.
0: Mm-hmm. I know as a city of a million people that they wanna have trust in their fire department, but at the same time, the fire department needs to make sure that it addresses some of these issues to make their employees feel safe and heard. It's a very important story. Lauren, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. 10.3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Lauren Boothby. More from her at edmontonjournal.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.